today we're going to be talking about um, primarily uh, we're going to be having Latoya open up with some comments on the current immigration situation that's been going on at the southern mm-hmm. border. Uh, so obviously the biggest topic has been the separating of children, which has come yeah. up uh, most recently about the past three days and has really gained a lot of media hype. So while we wait on LaToya, Kylie, would you mind uh, maybe starting us off and maybe giving some general background on what you think on the whole situation? Of course. Um basically what we had intended on discussing is what it seems like everyone in the U.S. and around are talking about right now, and it is uh, the immigration policy and uh, essentially separating uh, families at the border. Um, I know that LaToya was going to bring in that this isn't something essentially new that is happening, um, but now the light is being shown on it, and obviously it's a huge human rights issue. Um, on my own opinion, um, I think that we need to uh, first understand that if you do come to a port of entry seeking asylum, there isn't any prosecution for a legal entry. Um, minors are only being separated at those ports. If they're unable to determine the familial relationship, when a child may be at risk with the guardian or parent or legal guardian is referred for a criminal prosecution. I think that these laws are set to essentially protect the children's best interest. Um, the issue is when we're having people cross the border illegally and then we find them after the fact. That's when it's actually a criminal issue and, and the they're placed into into jail and the family is essentially separated. I think if we could maybe get the word out there and maybe people would understand to come and seek asylum first um, and we could hopefully eliminate the issue so, Kylie, or at least cut down on that. Of course. Tyler, I have a question. <laughs> so, so how do you, so how do you think, how, how do you, what's a good way for us to get the word out? Um, I know we talked about on a couple of last shows. We talked about how millennials can try to, to get involved more. So how how do you think we, we're able to get involved and try to stop this? What's going on? I think that obviously social media is a big thing with our generation, and it's not going anywhere. And I think that if we get the word out in that way, people understand. Um, I also, you know, in addition to you know, social media and whatnot, I think that a big part of the problem that we're facing right now is that everything is so Democrat and Republican. And I think Mm -hmm. that in order for us to really achieve peace and to really achieve anything that we want, that we need to actually work together. I think at the end of the day, we may have different ways of going about how to reach a resolution, but I think that I can speak for everyone when we want what's best for everyone. And I think if we could come together and quit, you know, hating each other or, you know, arguing with each other or whatnot, obviously we don't have it on this show. We we all have a really good relationship. So I think if other people could kind of, you know, follow suit or do that as well, it would help. I think we need to quit looking at it from a political party standpoint and look at it for what it is, and it's a human rights issue. Yeah, and I'll I'll agree to that for sure. Um, Especially, can you guys hear me? um, Hey, is that you, Latoya? Hey, this is me. 
Hey, you made it on the show. (laughs) Yes, I have no idea what happened or why, and I apologize. I tried to get on, and it just would not let me in. It's okay. Well, you're here now. I was just telling everybody how you were going to give us a a good foundation on the situation, but uh, we had to come, so we just hopped right in. So if you want to go ahead and fill us in on what you got first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I apologize for that. So for those of you that don't know, my name is Latoya Fernandez. I'm the lead host of No Sleep, Purpose, Vision, and Advocacy. Um, We were building a platform to discuss topics and just have an open dialogue about different things, challenge the system, and and raise awareness. Um, So tonight's episode, we're going to be discussing immigration and family separation at the border, as my co-host told you. Um, And I'll kind of be giving some background information and bringing up both sides of the story so that we can build from there. So since early May, 2,342 children have been separated from their parents after crossing the southern U.S. border, according to the Department of Homeland Security, as part of a new immigration strategy by the Trump administration that has prompted widespread outcry. so yeah, there was this new there there was this there was this policy. Um, the Trump administration um, passed it, and like it's got everyone freaked out. So here's what we know about the policy. In April, U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions put out an order to prosecutors along the border to immediately implement a zero tolerance policy for illegal border crossings, including families traveling with children and attempts to request asylum here in the U.S. Now. Jeff Sessions sees this policy as a potential deterrence that will keep families from crossing illegally. He stated, and I quote, on whether the policy is a deterrent, yes, hopefully people will get the message and come through the border at port of entry and not break across the border unlawfully. Now, there's another perspective, and that's the perspective on the zero-tolerance policy being cruel, inhumane, and un-American. So while the ORR tries to find family members, foster parents, or sponsors to take in children, parents are the preferred option, but that's not a possibility for children who have been separated from parents who remain in detention. There's no guarantee that children are placed with family members upon an extensive background check, fingerprinting, and vetting to ensure the child's safety. So observers, doctors, specialists, they raise concerns about the irrefutable damage caused to a child when they're separated from their family in this way. I mean, the minimum required age is five years old, which coming from my perspective as a parent is just too young. I mean, I, I, I personally can't imagine my baby girl being ripped from my arms. Um, but ICE does claim that ICE will make every effort to reunite the child with the parent once the parent's immigration case has been adjudicated. And that during the hearing, there's a vote of leniency for a parent who has been separated from their children and attempt to reunite the family. Now, the problem with that is how long does it take for these cases to get heard, let alone adjudicated? So, Things took a turn when just this morning President Trump signed an executive order that reverses his administration's policy around separating families. Now parents that cross the borders illegally with their kids will be detained with their children until their hearing. Trump has made it very clear that that does not end the U.S. zero-tolerance policy, but serves the sole purpose of keeping families together while we tighten our border patrol. The order directs the agency to prioritize hearings for families in detention to speed up processing and also directs Attorney General Jeff Sessions to file a request in federal court to modify a longstanding federal court decree 
known as the Florida Settlement, that prohibits the government from withholding children in detention for longer than 20 days. Now, the Southern Poverty Law Center, along with many other views, feel like this executive order is not a solution. It still enables families, including their children, to be treated like criminals and detained while parents are charged with a misdemeanor for crossing illegally. So today, I mean, you already heard a little bit in the beginning, and I apologize for those technical difficulties that we're continuing to battle through, but we're going to discuss both sides of the coin, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts on how this can and should be handled. Um, it's really exciting to, to talk about this and to listen to both sides because, as Kylie stated earlier, this has been an ongoing issue. And it's not really an issue that's between political parties, but it really has a lot to do with human rights. This is why there's a sense of urgency around what are we going to do about it um, and how are we going to do it. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Sam. You had started um, talking about it a little bit, and I would love for you to continue. And then we'll get to hear a little bit from one of our new co-hosts, John. Uh, hey, thanks, Latoya. And if I if I keep talking too long, feel free to cut me off. Um, I've so, got no problem with that, Sam. I can do that easy. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I come from the perspective of I believe we should have incredibly strong border security. Um, so I believe one of the fundamental issues is border security at large in that this whole child situation has kind of come about because of that in that overall general debate. So I'm just going to read you some statistics that uh, I also got from the Department of Homeland Security, which I guess is the number one source for this kind of stuff. Um, so I'm reading directly from their website. So illegal immigration on their southern border has exceeded 50,000 people each month. Uh, since this time last year, there has been a 325% increase in unaccompanied alien children and 435% increase in family units entering the country illegally, right? And over the last 10 years, that has been a 1,700%, which is mind-boggling, percent increase in asylum claims, resulting in asylum backlogs of 600,000 cases, right? So those are all pretty high numbers. Um, and so where I think this fits in that situation is obviously we do have an illegal immigration problem. So I guess the Trump administration's idea has been with zero tolerance, zero tolerance that we do need some kind of deterrent, right? And so, and this is this is what's so hard about this issue is because of how much news has reported on it, right? Because I've read it some sources that the Trump administration, like Latoya has talked about, has explicitly told um, DHS or the DOJ to separate families at the border, right, as a deterrent. But I was doing some research as well on past immigration policies, which LaToya and Kylie both talked about how there's nothing new to this in a sense. And I was actually doing research on how this has been going on since the Obama administration. Um, and so there's two programs called the Consequence Delivery System, which is the CDS, and the Alien Transfer and Exit Program, which is ATEP. And both of those act as deterrents. Um, and essentially, if an illegal alien comes at a point of entry, they are deported. And a lot of times what happens is a illegal alien who's a male, if he's with a family, he will be separated from that family and deported separately from, say, the mother or the mother and the children. Um, and these detention centers have also apparently been around for quite some time where they separate women and children um, 
because of what's the law called? I had it pulled up, but I believe it's called. Flores, talking about 20 days? Yeah, yeah, the Flores, what is it? The Flores Agreement, right? Um, Which essentially um, gives like children 20 days in detention, right? And after those 20 days, then they're released. But then a new aspect, and I know I'm kind of jumping around here, but a new aspect that I also read on the DH website, and this kind of relates to the increase in minors coming, right? So since this time last year, there's been a 325% increase in unaccompanied alien children, right? So 325% in just one year. So what I've heard uh, through some various media outlets, um, most likely my Twitter feed, (laughs) is that actually uh, drug cartels or people like MS-13 have started trafficking children um, to get to the border and to get to asylum. And so what the head of DHS has said is one of the reasons they are separating these children is they can't always tell if there's even a direct relation between the adults who are crossing the border with these children. So you might have kids who have actually been recycled multiple times and who might just be dragged along by certain people just trying to get into the country and trying to claim asylum. Uh, I even saw some tweets um, from certain Republican politicians. Uh, I think one was Mark Meadows, and I think maybe another was Tom Cotton, um, both who are pretty hardline uh, conservative. But both of them mentioned um, how this creates incentives for criminals to now traffic children up through the border to get asylum for themselves. Right? So it's a tough situation, I think, overall, because it seems that these children are being treated poorly either way, right? And so that doesn't justify any outcome separating from their parents, assuming that those people are actually their parents, right? And so according to what I've read on the DHS website, uh, although I, I fully support getting these children back in touch with their parents and that there's no need to separate them, one of the misunderstandings seems to be that some of these people aren't their parents and that these children are actually being used, uh, which I think is pretty terrible as well. Um, so, I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead and give it up to whoever, whoever's next and see what kind of thoughts you guys have on that. Okay, so uh, this is John. Uh, hello, world. It's my first day on. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, first, I'll start with as these laws have been on the books for almost two decades. Like, I think this stuff actually started back in 97. But anytime I'm having a conversation with a Trump supporter and either Barack Obama or Bill Clinton come into the conversation, I feel like I've already won the argument. Because all that is is an opportunity to try to deflect what the true issue is. Like what is going on during this this administration is a result of this administration, not what happened beforehand. It's one of those, oh, woe is me, everybody's not treating this right, is you know, the media is treating wrong and so on and so forth. But the reality is, this stuff has been in books on forever, but people have interpreted it in the manner in which this Trump administration is doing so, right? So, number one, let's just get back to the, to the, the very beginning. In order to actually seek asylum in the United States, you have to be in the United States. Like, you have to be physically standing on U.S. soil in order to seek asylum, which means I have to break a law in order to try to obtain asylum. Now, what's going on with this particular administration is 
there's, there's actually two issues because now the breaking of the law, which was mentioned by the way earlier by Latoya, crossing the border is simply a misdemeanor. That's all it is. So we can have a whole other conversation about cruel and unusual punishment for creating a misdemeanor. But <laughs> these people have to create a misdemeanor, come over here, and try to seek the asylum. What can happen is they can either be prosecuted based on that misdemeanor or they can have their asylum hearing. What has happened in the past, for the most part, is presidents have asked the DOJ and Homeland Security to do the asylum hearing first, right? So we do the asylum hearing, you don't get in, you got a, you know, a few other ways to try and obtain asylum, blah, 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 you don't get it, okay, we send you back to your country. What's happening, oh, and by the way, since you brought up uh, Obama, he actually did send more immigrants back <laughs> to their home countries than um, presidents in modern-day history. But it, it was done in, in a much more humane fashion, which is why you didn't hear about it as much. But this administration is prosecuting everybody on the misdemeanor first. So what they did was try to interpret the law as these people are in the law. Because I, I have to prosecute them based on this misdemeanor that they committed, I can now I'm justified in separating these families. And that simply doesn't make sense, right? It, it's, it's way too extreme. I understand what you say about, you know, yes, there are people that are taking advantage of this and, you know, people are sending children up here ahead of time. But that's still no excuse for separating a four-year-old. Like, you're trying to tell me that a three- or four-year-old is a drug mule? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you got these toddlers being placed in these detention centers? Like, I, I refuse to believe that every single one of those, or what was that number, 2,300-some-odd children, all of them are plant from MS-13 or some drug cartel to try to get into the United States. And then here's the thing, especially with the company children, once they get here, they still have to find a means into the states. So the states have to work out something in order to place them with a family member or put them in a, in a, um, with a particular family that they feel uh, that that child will be safe with. So, like, just getting here and getting detained isn't really beneficial to <laughs> the members of the drug cartels. So I just feel like uh, in an attempt to deter this, they just went way too far. Like, it's much too extreme. Considering it's not working, because as you say, Sam, the immigration has increased. Even since Jeff Sessions made a statement back in April, they still had increases in May, and right now they're looking at higher numbers here in June. So these people are truly seeking asylum. They are running away from something, and they need our help. Like, this country was founded on bringing individuals from around the world who needed to be somewhere where they could live their best lives, Right. So all of a sudden, for some reason, this administration has decided to deny thousands of people that particular opportunity, and they're doing so in a cruel and inhumane fashion. But, John, wouldn't you agree right. that they're doing something so, illegal? Yeah, correct. Right. I'm sorry, guys, but this is I'm so glad that the conversation is getting heated. But we are going to need to take a break. We want to give our callers and listeners an opportunity to digest what they just heard. And we also want you to call in and let us know what you think about this. So our phone number that you can reach us at in about a couple minutes is 917-889-8078. Again, the number is 917-889-8078. And I want you to think about whether or not we're protecting these children or we are doing something that's traumatizing families. Are we helping the problem or are we hurting the problem? We'd love to hear from you in just a couple of minutes. Thank you so much.
listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag one million strong. Today we decided to walk to school. The light counted. 15, 14, 31, I mean 13. We took a left on Carroll Street. Danny's smart, but he gets distracted. I realized he forgot his homework. I hope he doesn't have a school. When you can see learning and attention issues from their side, you can be on their side. That's why there's understood.org, a free resource for the parents of the one in five kids with learning and attention issues. Go from misunderstanding to understood.org. Brought to you by Understood and the Ad Council. Listen and imagine. Oh, you actually listen? Oh. It takes five seconds to send a text, and for those five seconds, you're driving blind. Life is worth more than a text. Stay alive. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. Listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag One Million Strong. Hey everyone, I want to welcome you all back. It was really exciting. We ended things were getting heated, um, and that's what we ultimately want. We want a nice, meaty discussion because that's how we're going to talk about some solutions that are going to be just impactful in a positive way for everyone. Um, now, I'm going to go ahead and just ask Micah if we have any callers or any comments or questions before we move on. Nothing? All right. Well, if we do get a caller or we get a comment or question, please don't hesitate to interrupt us and let us know. Um now, when we were concluding the conversation in the first part of this segment, we ended and we started to kind of talk about immigration as a much larger issue. So as we come back in this second segment, I want us to really focus on the issue of children, children and parents being separated at the border. And I know that um, the conversation was getting really hot and heavy, and I would love to continue it. I know, Kylie, you had something to say right before we went to commercial, so I'd love to turn it over to you. Um, and Kylie's going to share her perspective and ask some questions um, to, to John and Sam about their perspective, and we'll just go from there. I believe before we went to commercial, I was asking John if it was not illegal what they were doing. It seemed like it was kind of downplaying the fact that it is an illegal act and even like mentioning that a misdemeanor, it's just a misdemeanor. But a misdemeanor in this country keeps you from getting a job. It can keep you from certain types of benefits and health. It can keep you from getting a lot of different things. So it's not just a misdemeanor. It's it's illegal. But but it doesn't keep me away from my children. Like, I, the gov- no one's going to come keep my children away because I do. Right. <laughs> and I, so, that, so I understand I what that. you're saying. But that's what I, I mean that. about but the country not necessarily from the crime. People commit illegal acts every day in our country, right. and they're ripped they apart from their family. The, so the, we that have is true. this. But we, have this we have this collapse of the American family. We have millions of children growing up in one-parent households. 
We have the majority of adults that are incarcerated having at least one minor child that they're leaving at home. We have 13 million children growing up in poverty. It's like our children are suffering and nobody cares. So what, what makes it different for people that are coming here illegally, that their lives seem to matter more than people in our own country? We have people in Flint that are still suffering. Men, women, and children have irreversible damage to their health over government corruption, and they still don't have clear drinking water. And now all these human rights activists want to say it's okay. You can come into our country illegally. I mean, do we just have open borders then, and then what do we solve? Well, no, we don't have to have open borders. It doesn't have to be that extreme. <laughs> I understand the point. But, again, um, I, I go back to where you stay, um, we're treating them like they're more than actual U.S. citizens because we're not so upset about everything else. I actually think we're treating them as the much less. I mean, obviously they're not U.S. citizens, but we're treating them less than humane because, again, it's about the punishment fitting the crime. Like, I understand all the statistics about what happens here in the U.S. Um, I'm an educator, so I am constantly um, dealing with the, uh, the effects of uh, young people who have to grow up in homes with a parent is a, one parent, or in some cases both parents are incarcerated. So I understand that 120 percent. So I'm with you. I also am not going to the extreme and saying we should have no border <laughs> control at all either. But that doesn't make sense. I don't want people to just come walking across the border. I, I understand that, but I, I have to believe that we, if we're supposed to be the greatest country on this planet, can come up with a better means for deterring people from coming here illegally, um, from getting the word out about how to do so, uh, working together to actually come up with sensible solutions to this particular problem. Does anyone else want to jump in? I don't feel I don't want to feel like I'm hogging up all the time or anything. Or no, I mean it's interesting because you know this is obviously this has been going on. I mean, for, for decades now, right? I mean, this, this is really nothing new, this conversation. Um, I'm still I'm interested because, right, specifically focusing on the separation of children and families. Um, I know you had, you had mentioned something uh, before, John, but uh, you mentioned a lot of things. So I kind of wanted to touch back on Obama's policy of also separating children and families. So my biggest observation um, with why why do we focus on it so heavily now when we know we were doing it in the past? And so I know you said, uh, well, I think you said that maybe he was going harder on it and maybe separating more people. Um, well, no, he, okay, go ahead, I'm sorry. You can finish, I'm sorry. No, no, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, it wasn't that, I wasn't saying that Obama separated more families. He actually uh, sent more immigrants to their home countries. Yeah, but what is that? So, like, regarding the children, though, so that's why I'm I'm interested because Obama was also doing this. Like, this is, and Kylie and Latoya kind of mentioned this at the beginning, this, this isn't a current administration problem. Children have been separated from their parents because of various reasons um, <laughs> in the past administration and now this administration. So why right. have we decided to really ramp up the coverage and really go hard on this issue now, and where were the, people beforehand? The reason why is now there's so many children in such a short period of time. So, so again, these, these laws have been on the books. Like, these laws have been on the books since the Clinton administration. But Clinton, Bush, 
Obama simply didn't interpret it, or I should say, I shouldn't even say interpret it, but manipulate the law in the manner in which the, this particular administration is. Like, there's going to be occasions in which you have to separate children from the adults that they are coming across the border with. Like, I, I understand the rules completely. Manipulated? Because it, the, the reason I say manipulated is, again, crossing the border in previous administrations wasn't enough to warrant the separation of the families, right? There was more but investigation was done. It and like I said earlier, as opposed, as opposed to prosecuting the individuals first, they have their asylum here. So if you're having your asylum here first, you don't have to be separated because you're not uh, trying people based on breaking a law. So it gave families the ability to be together. If they don't asylum, then you kick them back out the country and they leave together. But the point that they have to be separated. But as was stated earlier by Latoya, Jeff Sessions purposely and got on, got on national television and talked about the fact that they were doing this to strengthen, try to deter people from coming in. Again, it doesn't have to be done in that particular fashion. So, again, more media coverage is being is shined on it now because it's 23 people since, what, April? Like, that's an insane number of children to have to be separated simply because I crossed the border. But you have to remember back in 2014. Oh, go ahead, I was just going to say, you have to remember back in 2014, we had a half a million people come in from Central America, and we don't know where they are. So this isn't new. This isn't just an influx of people. This is something that's been happening, and it's something that needs attention because it is a problem. But it didn't happen overnight. And you can't just blame one administration for the issue. And I know another well, problem is that these people won't even show up for their court hearings. So I know they're required to have a court hearing, right? Um, right. But then they'll they'll be they'll be catched, they'll be released, and then they just won't show up to their court hearing. And then the ones who are catched, according to the DHS website, right, have to be released after 20 days into the country, right? right? So to me, that sounds like just any other open border policy. You're just being delayed by 20 days. Right. And once again, right, 365 percent. No, I'm sorry. 325 percent increase in unaccompanied alien children for one year. Right. And 435 percent increase in family units in one year. Right. So to me, I mean, so why why would they be coming in 2017? Right. All of a sudden. Right. And so that's why I almost wonder if these arguments of manipulation of human trafficking with these children, which have been announced by certain DHS officials as reasons why they're separating a large majority of them, um, because they're figuring out a lot of these adults have actually just been cycling through children. They've been here already, and they've been kicked out, right? And so now they're just bringing other children in, right? I mean, so that's, I think that's a, it's a pretty big worry, and like, I, I completely understand um, it's a it's a hard issue, but that is definitely not something I think we should overlook at all. And, and, and Interesting I point. So we have a caller. Um, go ahead, Micah. We have Ashley on the phone, it's one, and she kind of wants to chime in and give her, uh, her opinion about this issue. Okay. Hi, Ashley. Hey, Kylie. <laughs> Hi, um, Ashley. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I, like... 
I'm just confused about the whole, um, I don't know, liberals seem to be so such hypocrites when it comes to stuff. Because, like, I, I don't understand how they all of a sudden are worried about kids when um, they're cool with kids being, you know, like, molested by pedophiles. I mean, like, they support that stuff. <laughs> or they're like, you know... They aren't worried about black kids in the hood and stuff like that, or they're all of a sudden just like you know tripping about kids when they're when they're the ones supporting abortions. Like it seems weird. So like I don't want to I don't want to be like this fire starter here, but I'm just trying to be real. Yeah, and, and that's cool. I actually. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say, uh, I'm not even, even a liberal, but. Yeah, you talk, Latoya. You haven't talked. No, I'm, yeah, I'm just going to say, um, I, you know, Ashley, I like that you brought that point up. And it kind of, it, it takes it back to what Kylie was saying earlier, that we have a lot of issues in our own backyard. But I think the question around that is, how do we address those issues and also this issue? Because both of them are, are human rights issues. And also to point out that the United States is one of just a few countries that does not recognize children's rights as equal rights. And we, don't, we also don't uphold the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights here, period. So are we talking about separating kids from their families at the border? Are we talking about a human rights issue with children and our country in general? So I think, you know, I like that you opened that up. Um, and I think that we have people that feel that one issue is more important than the other. But I also think that some of these issues are different. But I hear what you're saying because, you know, we've got kids that have been suffering um, child abuse, with child abuse issues and neglect and human trafficking happening right here in the United States. And what are we doing about that? So, I hear you, and I think we need to talk about uh, bigger solutions when it comes to protecting our children, period, as human beings that deserve equal rights. Yeah, and protecting our children. I mean, I don't understand why we're protecting kids who don't even live in this country. Don't get me wrong, I don't hate kids, but, like, um, I just don't understand, you know, like, why we're getting so hyped up about people who don't even live here. Like, who it. don't even don't even contribute to society. I pay thousands of dollars in taxes each year. And like I'm caring about somebody who wants to leech off that, who will come here and not even work oh, if given the opportunity. Like they're gonna be like, no way. Hey, well yeah, actually I think uh I totally hear you, Ashley, and we thank you for your concern, and we're going to continue to address this issue. Um, thank you for calling, and we hope that you continue to, to call and give your feedback. Go ahead, Sam. Take it away. Yeah, and I think I can I, – I get where she's coming from. I definitely um, – I mean, so the, the children aren't the problem, though, right? I mean, so they, they're not being brought here of their own free will. So that's one thing that I think should definitely be mentioned, and so – I do think right. as Americans we should take concern over that. I mean, whether it's their parents who are bringing them over here or whether it's these people who are possibly trafficking them, you know, like I, I forget, I think it was you, Latoya. Some of these kids are four or five, right? So it's yeah. like they're, they're coming over and saying, I'm going to game the system, right? They don't know any. They have no idea what's going on. So am I for treating them humanely? Yeah, of course, right? But do I want – the people who are also treating them terribly, who are bringing them over here, 
Um, do I want something done about them? Yes, definitely, because they are just gaming the system, right? And I do. I, I feel for those children. And unfortunately, I think any solution, uh, I mean, I think any solution would be better than what's going on now. But I think any solution is going to have to be hard uh, in some sense because we are going to have to deter people from coming over here, right? Now, whether okay. that now, I don't think we need a deterrence of separating them immediately, right? But there are some concerns, right? Go ahead, yeah. John. I, 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 know you're, you're I got, no, cool. I actually got a question for, for actually anybody who's listening at the moment, but specifically, you know, Sam and Kylie, since we're on the phone together. Do you believe that the majority of people who are coming in here illegally? Through our southern border, are coming here to try to quote unquote gain the system and take advantage of their opportunities in the U.S. Or are they legitimately seeking asylum because they're running from horrendous conditions in the countries in which they left? Well, John, I'll go ahead and um, I'll go ahead and start answering um, that, and then we can pass the mic to someone else. I think that in order to really accurately answer that question, we'd have to go back in history and we'd have to consider why these countries are third world countries to begin with. And we have to consider how the United States was involved in aiding those systems that, um, that, that became corrupt um, and, and, and how we have the resources and the ability to support those countries and how we use those resources and how we manage those resources because of, uh, it was an investment that we made so that we could also capitalize off of it. And I think something that we did not consider as a country, and I'm not just saying this is the Trump administration. As we said, I'm talking about presidents on down the line. Something we never considered, considered is that this might come back to bite us, that a lot of these investments that we made, a lot of the resources that we gave, a lot of the corruption that we invested in and how we wanted to manage that investment, we did not see the future of getting an influx of people coming and seeking asylum in the United States. So I think – I'm not saying I'm answering the question, but I think we have to really go all the way back and think about how do we even get here and is this – our bad investment coming back to bite us. I think uh, an even further way to look into it is if we are spending these resources for people to come here, I understand, you know, it's not that I'm, you know, numb to emotion. I understand and I know that things are hard. I'm, I travel a lot. I have been, I've been to Mexico twice in the past month. Um, so I understand. Um, I understand I've been to Central America. I've been to Europe. And, I think that our resources would be better spent helping those countries. Because when you think about it, you have these influx of people who are coming into our country, right? But that's only a small percentage of these third world countries that are in poverty. So we're helping these few people, which it's a lot for us, and we feel like, oh, we're good people, we're doing this and that, and we're helping. But in the long run, we're not helping that country. If you think about it, I have a lot of friends that are immigrants that live, um, you know, in the U.S. or families of immigrants, and they love their country. They don't want to leave their country. They're being forced to because opportunity is elsewhere. I think that we should work together to create something better in their own country because no one wants to leave their own home. No one wants to be separated from their family. No one wants to, you know, leave, you know, Africa or wherever and come to the United States and leave back, leave their mother, their father, their sisters and brothers, everybody back at home. It's a global issue. Mm-hmm. And I feel like our resources would be better spent in that capacity. 
Yeah, no, okay. I'll, I'll go ahead and hop on to that. Because, first of all, LaToya, I think what you said is awesome um, because I think that is a problem um, that is kind of coming back to bite us. I think we have had past administrations that have been short-sighted in their decisions and that um, I'm sure there are some ways that we have helped create some instability in South and Central America. Uh, but I do think, to answer your question, John, I, do, I don't think people come over here and say, I'm going to game the system, but I think they do, right? And I think that's just natural incentive to want to come over here, get what money you can, right, whether that is through some kind of work or it's through being funded through taxpayers, right? So from what I understand, a lot of these people who do come over here, even if it's illegally, do are allowed to get benefits, right? And I know something that the current administration has done is actually targeted illegal immigrants that they find who have been getting benefits, right, as a, as a reason to um, uh, not, not, yeah, charge them, charge them um, on illegal, uh, um, uh, illegally obtaining those benefits, right? So I think naturally they do game that system. And I think there's further incentive because you, like with any uh, migration pattern, you have people who are willing to help them get here. Right, who are actively saying come here, right? So a lot of these people, um, it it hasn't always just been families, right? It's just been young men, right? So it's not always just about oh we're fleeing a bad situation. Sometimes it's literally just like young men saying I want a better job, right? Let me get out of here and mm-hmm. go get one. Oh, and also they provide benefits up there. They have a nice welfare system comparatively to where I am now, right? So with any incentive, mm-hmm. I don't think. Uh, anyone's going to come over here and say, man, I can't wait to cheat the system, right? But I think they're being told and that they realize that there are benefits they can get and that if they come here, even if it's illegally, right, the current policy is, okay, you get put in a facility for 20 days, then you're let go in the country, okay, mission accomplished, and then you have some court date that you have to report to that you don't actually have to go to unless they catch you, right? Gotcha. And then you're having jobs also. Oh, go ahead. No, I was about to say, because as a researcher, I don't love to make definitive statements. But I would argue that the majority of these individuals that are in their country illegally are coming in to find work, to find employment, to find a gainful means of earning funds. So they come in, they work many jobs that Americans don't like to work anymore. They save, and, they, you know, they go on to live the American dream. Much like Irish immigrants did when they first came here, most much like Korean immigrants did when they first came here. So, like, I don't, don't like the fact that the conversation is all, all often couched in these people are lazy and they're just coming here to try to get welfare. Because I, I no. honestly, and again, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I seriously doubt it's the case. Like, I'm not running from a drug cartel so I can hurry up and go collect a welfare debt. Yeah, absolutely. I think that both perspectives. Um, I think both perspectives definitely merit some more conversation. And I think that this is just the beginning of a conversation we need to continue having, especially as millennials, because ultimately it's up to us to figure out how we're going to influence decisions around policy. Um, but we do need to take a break, go to a commercial. We're going to come back. We're going to conclude our show, and we're going to end with a really heartfelt story. Really excited that everyone joined us tonight. I love all the opinions and perspectives. Continue to load those guns up and bring them to the next show next week. We'll see you guys back in just two minutes. One in three adults in America have prediabetes, but most don't know it. 
To let people know it can be reversed before it becomes type 2 diabetes, professional basketball player Julius Randle is doing everything in reverse. I'm only dunking with reverse windmills. I drove the whole way to practice in reverse. I don't recommend it. This move is called the reverse shuffle. I do recommend it. And it took me months to learn how to speak in reverse, like this. <clears throat> Here's 10 almost for diabetes type 2 with living Ben has my mind. In other words, my mom has been living with type 2 diabetes for almost 10 years. So together, we want to say to the 84 million Americans at risk, exercise and healthy eating can help reverse prediabetes. Start by taking a simple one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. <laughs> Betty can't say that in reverse. All right. Welcome back, everyone. We've just got a few minutes left, and we are going to conclude our show on, on a positive note. Um, but I want to say this before we get into our final story, that these conversations are intense and that sometimes we might be standing on different lines of uh, the, the conversation. And I feel that one of the most beautiful things about being a millennial is that we can have these discussions and have open dialogue and still respect each other's perspectives and also leave our minds open to accepting the ideas and thoughts of others. And we might even find that we change some of our perspectives or evolve some of our perspectives. And I think that what we're doing as millennials is something that has been needed to be done. Um, and so I think if we continue to have these conversations and open this dialogue and hear those different perspectives, then I think that when we start taking our seats at the table, there's going to be room for diversity. And that's what we need. There's so much beauty and diversity and so much social impact in different mindsets. So I just want to call on all of you out there, all you listeners, to stay in touch, stay um, affiliated with what's happening locally in your area and regarding politics and community activism. Make sure you're connected to your state reps. Make sure you know what's going on in Congress. Make sure you know how to take action when you see something that you feel is social injustice. Because while we can talk about what's going on at the border and how children's rights are being violated, we have children right in our communities that need our support. So you have to ask yourself, what are you going to do to battle that? Because, like I always say, it starts with us. Go ahead, Kylie. Am I speaking anyway tonight or with Sam? Oh, yes, ma'am. Yep. Um, so we're going to be ending on the, the heartfelt story. I can do it. So, no, yeah, I can do it. Um, so okay. I to just end on a happy note. So I'm just going to read you guys about a Mississippi queen who's being praised for helping an elderly man bury his beloved dog of 50 years, right? So this guy named Sam, um, who's 19, worked at Ace Hardware in Cleveland, Mississippi. So two weeks ago, an elderly man walked in the store looking for a shovel. The man proceeds to tell Sam how he's just diagnosed with cancer and was having to bury his dog of 15 years, right? So Sam said he told me about the time they spent together walking and playing fetch. He said his dog had always been there for him. I'm about to cry. Uh, and he was very emotional, <laughs> and it touched me, right? And so Sam actually ended up buying this man the shovel at Ace Hardware and um, going with him to bury his dog, right? And so the old man asked if there was any way he could repay the young man, and he just said he wanted a picture uh, so that he could always keep that moment. So uh, if anything, uh, on LaToya's note, you know, 
we talk about heavy political discussion, but there are always positive notes uh, happening around in the world, regardless of what the media says. Uh, there's always good uh-huh. things going on, especially in local communities. So never forget to focus on that and those good things that are going on in the world that you might not hear about. What you got for us, Latoya? And I think, you know, it's a great way to conclude because, listen, at the end of the day, we have to look at that glass as half full. And I know there's people like, oh, with a different perspective, the glass might be half empty. We have a lot of things that are going on right now in the world, and it's making people feel like people are monsters. But amidst all of that stuff that's happening, there are still some really beautiful, strong, awesome, kind, compassionate people. They exist. And we have to make sure that we highlight those stories, too. And so I hope that after today you gain some insight um, and, and that you go have this conversation with your friends, your family. But remember to bring up something positive because this is still America and it is our country. And, I mean, we're not planning on leaving it anytime soon. So what are we going to do to make it better? Thank you for joining us tonight. We look forward to seeing you next Wednesday or hearing from you next Wednesday. Once again, I apologize for the technical difficulties. As I said last time, we will get this right. Um, But thank you for hanging in there with us. Ashley, thank you for calling in and giving your perspective. It's really important. Thanks, John, for joining our team. And thank you, Micah, for hitting that engineering. And Sam and Kylie for your wonderful insight as well. Thank you so much. Have a great night, everyone.